Good morning, everybody. Sorry, I'm sorry. I want to give you all a chance to get your seat. I don't want to assume that nobody's rude or nothing. I want to give you all a chance to talk back to me. I said good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Man, it's good to see all of you here this morning. Yes, sir. I'm, uh, I'm excited for today. I know, I know what we're actually here to celebrate this morning. Uh, and so I'm going to do my best to not get in the way too much uh, of that. Uh, we're going we're gonna to see what, what, what God has to say, and then we're going to celebrate what God has to celebrate. Amen? Amen? So for those of you who haven't been with us, we've been, we've been uh, going through for the last five weeks the book of Ruth. Uh, our series is called Loyalty and Royalty. For five weeks, we've been talking about this incredible loyalty that's shown by Ruth, it's shown by Boaz, it's shown by God, and today, today, we get to talk about the royalty. I'm excited for this one, and I realized as I was preparing, I was like, oh yeah, and I gotta go ahead and I gotta make sure at the top I recap the series for those of us, for those of you who haven't been with us, and then I realized to like fully recap at this point would be like, it, it, yeah, it'd be the whole thing. It would take a long time. So, so, so forgive me. Let, let me start by encouraging you to go back and read the book of Ruth for yourself. If you would like to catch up to where we're at uh, as far as a church goes, you can find all of our sermons online, thirdstreetchurch.com, or if you rather use the SoundCloud app directly, you can hit us up, Third Street Community Church. Uh, but, but, but for those of you who need caught up in the meantime, let me just go ahead and give you a couple points. So this book begins in the town of Bethlehem where there is a famine. Bethlehem means house of bread. There was no bread in the house of bread. Times were hard, right? So then we see our, our, one of our main characters throughout. Her name is Naomi. Naomi and her family, uh, her, her husband and her two sons decide, oh, we got to get up out of here. There's nothing to eat. We got to go find something to eat. So they decide to leave Bethlehem and they make their way to Moab, which isn't necessarily friendly territory, but we ain't got time to get into all of that today. So they try to make themselves a living in Moab. While they're there, Naomi's two sons, they get married to Moabite women, to outsiders, which in their culture would have been a little risky, a little weird. They're not as, you know, totally as accepting as we are in 2018. Um, but, but, they marry Moabite women. Unfortunately, Elimelech, Naomi's husband, passes away. And soon thereafter, her two sons also pass away. And so Naomi is left with her two daughters-in-laws. And she decides, if I'm going to suffer in poverty, I'm at least going to suffer in poverty at home. And so I'm going to go back to Bethlehem. On her way back to Bethlehem, one of her daughters-in-law, Orpah, is like, you know what? It's better for me to make a living here. I'm a Moabite. It's better for me to stay in Moab. I got peoples here. I got families here. I got a job here. Let me just go ahead and stay. And Naomi looks at Ruth, and she's like, you should probably stay too. But Ruth's like, uh-uh. Where you go, I go. Who's your people is my people. Who's your God is my God. I'm with you. She shows loyalty, and she goes with Naomi to Bethlehem. While they're there, they are suffering in their poverty. They ain't got a whole lot to eat. And so Ruth's like, you know what? I'm not just going to sit here and rot away. Let me go ahead and do something about my family's condition. So she goes ahead and she gets up and she goes out to work. 
Now, while she's going out to work, she happens to make her way to this one part of the field that is owned by this man named Boaz. Boaz is significant because Boaz, stick with me now, Boaz is the family's redeemer. There's a close relative. There's this whole cultural practice. Again, listen on SoundCloud. It's dope. But basically, Boaz can be the redeemer. So Naomi's like, hey, yo, Ruth, I need you to go make yourself available to Boaz. So Ruth goes ahead and puts it all out there. She's like, Boaz, what's good? What are you about to do about it? And Boaz is like, look, there's actually this one dude we got to ask about first. But hey, if he's not cool with it, I got you. I will not rest, Boaz says, until you have been redeemed. What we got into last week was Boaz went to the closer relative who could have redeemed Naomi's whole family. He's like, hey, you want some land? That man's like, yeah, I want some land. He's like, cool, marry that Moabite. He's like, Mm-mm, nope, not going to do it. Boaz's like, all right, peace, I got you. And so we concluded last week, I'm out of breath. We concluded last week with a wedding in front of the whole city and a celebration that Ruth was married to Boaz, which redeems the whole family in the sense of there is a provider, there is a caretaker, and there is somebody to carry on the lineage in the mighty name of Jesus. Woo! So that's where we're at. Y'all feel good about that? Okay. Okay. All right. So that's where we're at. So what we're going to do today is we're going to get into the conclusion, the real conclusion of the book of Ruth. So if you have your physical Bibles with you, I encourage you to bring your Bibles with you to church. Uh, if you have your physical Bibles with you, go ahead and turn to the book of Ruth chapter 4. If you're hit to technology in 2018 and you got your electronic device and you feel like you can fight off the temptation of the devil to stay off of Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and or Snapchat, you go right ahead. You turn on that Bible app. You flip to the book of Ruth. You hit chapter 4 and you scroll down to little number verse 12. And that's where we begin our time today. Allow me to read the word of the Lord. And may the Lord give you descendants by this young woman who will be like those of our ancestors Perez, the son of Tamar and Judah. So Boaz took Ruth into his home and she became his wife. When he slept with her, the Lord enabled her to become pregnant and she gave birth to a son. Praise God. Then the woman, verse 14, of the town, the women of the town said to Naomi, praise the Lord who has now provided a redeemer for your family. May this child be famous in Israel. May he restore your youth and care for you in your old age. For he is the son of your daughter-in-law who loves you and has been better to you than seven sons. And Naomi took the baby, cuddled him to her breast, and she cared for him as if he were her own. Amen. So what's interesting to me is that the story begins and ends with Naomi. But hold on. This book is called what? So who's the main character? No, it's Naomi. You don't begin and end with somebody insignificant. It's interesting. So it's named after Ruth, so we automatically think, oh, this is about Ruth. But the bookend tells us something else. The bookend tells us that all along, even when we were following Ruth, even when we were 
hitting on Boaz the whole time. This wasn't about them. This was about a way of redeeming somebody else. This was a story of Naomi's redemption. And praise God that Ruth finds herself redeemed in the meantime, that Boaz is used by the Spirit of God to do something incredible. Praise God that a son is born. But the whole thing in these four chapters is about the redemption of Naomi. This story, though named after Ruth, is actually about the redemption of Naomi. Moreover, through God's intervention, even though it's not explicitly mentioned, not one single time does the book of Ruth say, and then God did this. Not one time does it say that. Even though God's intervention is not mentioned not one single time, what we clearly see is this story is about the fact that God is over all things, and he is in every intricate detail. He does not leave us alone to figure it out on our own, but he is in every minute detail. He is in every decision. He is making a beckoning call in every single decision. There is a right and wrong answer. We just don't always choose it. But he is in every detail in an attempt to work out the redemption of our story. God saw Naomi in her tragedy, chapter 1. God led her back home, end of chapter 1. God gave her a lifeline out whose name was Ruth. This book ain't named for Ruth because it's about Ruth. This book is named for Ruth because Ruth was the lifeline provided for Naomi. And sure, as it says right here, Naomi didn't have seven sons, which in that culture would have been dope, would have been a big deal. Seven sons is a pretty big deal. You got plenty of people to provide, plenty of kids to have, plenty, 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 plenty. But what the author tells us is that for Naomi, Ruth was better than seven sons. How many of you know this morning that what God provides is better than seven of whatever our culture can provide? How many of you know this morning that God can provide a Ruth while we are constantly looking for what the world tells us will redeem us? God sends Ruth. This was a way of providing redemption for Naomi. From opening scene in Naomi's tragedy to closing scene where Naomi holds a beautiful baby boy to her chest. A story of God's intervention to bring about redemption unfolds. Do you know that God is in every detail? Do you know that God is weaving himself through your life in an effort to redeem your story? We're looking for a hero out here. Somebody say amen. We're looking for a hero. We're looking for what? Our knight in shining armor. But God sends Ruth. Just like in the first century, the Jews were looking for a political uprising. The Jews were looking to overthrow the Roman Empire. The Jews were looking for a war hero. They were looking for a man with a sword. They weren't expecting a man with some sandals. 
But what God sends is Jesus, which is better than a political figure. It's more powerful than a king. It's better than some systems. It's the savior of the whole world. It's the servant to us all. It's Jesus. The story was the same for Naomi as it was for the Jews as it is for us now. God tells us something about our own bitterness, our own selfishness. But when we flip the script, when we stop focusing on ourselves and we focus on the movement of the Spirit, a.k.a. where the wind blows, you feel me? We are able to see God at work. And we're able to experience the redemption God has for us that we never saw coming. Do you know that God is tirelessly working out the details for the redemption of your story? Let's read one more verse. Verse 17. Oh, that's where it gets so good. Man, I love the text, y'all. I need, I need y'all to love the text like I love the text, man. Like if, like, if you don't know the text, get in the text, man. It's so good. Here we go. The neighborhood women. The women who were, like, low-key welcoming Naomi back, but also, like, you know, she, she's still a little son. She had to go to Mo and then that Ruth, you know, she allowed outside da 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 Now look what they're saying. She says, at last, Naomi has a son again. And they named him Obed. Oh, this is so good. You ready for this? I don't know if you're ready. He became the father of Jesse, and Jesse was the grandfather of David. Let me talk about royalty one second real quick. Whoo! So the prophecy from the last verse comes true. It comes to fruition. Ruth's son is named Obed. Obed means, wait for it. Oh, this is so good, so poetic, so beautiful. Obed means servant. It means servant. Isn't it just like God? To send our Redeemer in the form of a servant. And isn't it just like us? That when we fall on hard times, we think our mamba mentality can work our way out of it. But as long as we are in control of our own decisions and destiny, we are just going to keep scrambling. We're going to keep putting up 60 shots and ain't none of them going in. But when we serve God, he serves us with a redeemer. The story does not stop. It's so beautiful. Look what happens to Naomi's lineage. Obed, servant, has another son. His name's Jesse, 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 Jesse. That sounds familiar. Pastor, what is that from? Let me tell you. A little bit later on, what you're going to find is there's this king over all of Israel that God's like, man, he's got to move. I need my people in, in the house. I need my people sitting on the throne. I'm going to go get this man. Hey, Samuel, you prophet, come here a second. Let me whisper in your ear. I need you to go to this man Jesse's house because at Jesse's house, that's where my king's at. That's where the king that's going to do good for me is at. So I need you to go over to Jesse's house. Samuel goes to Jesse's house. He calls out to Jesse. Hey, yo, Jesse, I need you to get your sons together. Jesse's like, I got my sons. They're in the living room. They're waiting for you, brother. Samuel arrives. He goes one by one to each son. He's like, God, is it this one? God's like, uh-uh. God, is it this one? Uh-uh. God, is it this one? Uh-uh. 
God, is it this one? Uh-uh. Are you sure? This one's big. I like him. It's not him. Is it him? Are you sure? This one's strong. It's not him. Are you sure? This one's pretty. I like this one. It's not him. Keep going. And he goes through several of these boys. And God's like, it ain't none of them. Samuel looks at Jesse. He's like, hey, Jesse. Hey, man, I thought you said you had your sons. God told me he was here. He ain't here. Where's he at? Jesse's like, well, I got like one more. But it's like the shepherd boy. Like, it's the little boy. It's the pretty boy. It's the one with the soft hands. It's the ones that's out there taking care of the sheep in the field. Because what else are we going to have him do? Well, what's his name? David. And David becomes the goat. David becomes the greatest king of all time. And yeah, he's got his stuff. But man, that's not how we remember him. Royalty is in the lineage. So Naomi, once widowed and hopeless, ends up not a dead end, but one of many stops in the lineage to David. And what do we know about the lineage of David? What do we know about it? That the lineage of David, 14 generations later, gives birth to a man named Jesus Christ. Man, if that ain't something, y'all, the text is so good. God desperately wants to redeem our stories. But not just for our sake, it gets better. God wants to redeem our stories for the sake of a bigger picture, a more beautiful picture. Yes, God sees you. Yes, he knows your struggle. And yes, he wants to redeem that. But not just because he loves you that much. It's more than that. It's not just, it's that. But it's not just that. It's because he loves you and he loves everybody. And God sees, because he's infinitely more creative than we are, how your story redeems all these other stories over here. The same way God uses Boaz, the same way God uses Ruth, he redeems Naomi. The way he uses Naomi is to redeem, and it just goes on. It's a part of a bigger story. And it's a story that in the end sees our fallen world restored. It is God's way of serving us, though we don't deserve it. He includes us in his story, and we get to share glory with him in the end. Are you ready for your story to be a part of God's story? Are you ready for your story to match up, to intricately weave into the bigger picture story that God is telling, into the epic, into the meta-narrative? Are you ready for your story to be a part of God's story? Let's finish this chapter, verse 18. Because, guys, it gets better. It's even deeper than all this. Check this out. This is the genealogical record of their ancestors, Perez. Perez, that dude was the father of Hezron. Hezron was the father of Ram. Ram was the father of Aminadab. Aminadab was the father of Nashon. Nashon was the father of Salmon. Salmon was the father of Boaz. Boaz was the father of Obed. Obed was the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of David. Now, pastor, are you about to really preach a genealogy? You better believe it. 
Because leave that up there. The true end, this right here, the true end, the part that everybody else skips, is the best part. You're not informed on what you just read until you read that. The true end shows everything that goes on to happen because of this redemption story. But what we learn in these verses is that in the very end, that the very end of Ruth, that's the story. But it didn't actually begin with Naomi. Aminadab was the father of Nashon. Nashon was the father of Salmon. Pastor, you're saying salmon wrong. <laughs> but I recognize that name from the Bible. It was like a little bit before this, right? It was. I'm glad you're catching on. I'm glad you love the text. Like, I love the text. Salmon. Salmon had this wife. Salmon's wife name, anybody? Rahab. What was that story again? Let me tell you. In the book of Joshua, the Lord is trying to give the nation of Israel all the land that he promised them. There's some people standing in the way. He says, I need you to go and walk over those people. That land is yours. I need you to cast those people out. I need there to be none of them left. And so there's some spies that went out there to check out the land. They went to check out the layout, and what they found when they got there was a prostitute. A prostitute who was an outsider, a prostitute who was never meant to survive, a prostitute who was already promiscuous enough, right? No way God's saving her, right? Except what Rahab did was she hid the spies. She helped the spies. She made sure that they weren't caught. She's an outsider. She's a prostitute. She's someone who isn't even supposed to be allowed to survive. But the Lord tells them, I want you to move every single one of them off their spot except Rahab. And anyone who goes to Rahab's house, her family, they can stay. But the rest of them, they gots to go. But Rahab, an outsider, gets included in the story. And she doesn't just get included in the story. She marries this man named Solomon who's in the lineage of Jesus. And they have a child. And their child's name was Boaz. Boaz. So when we talked about Boaz, in the midst of all this relativism, in the midst of all this paganism, in the midst of all this other stuff going on, and we're like, man, how can Boaz possibly be standing so firm? How can Boaz have his faith when nobody else has theirs? That's because Boaz knows the heart of the law. Boaz's mother was never meant to be included. Boaz's mother was not supposed to be saved. But the just and righteous God we serve said, go ahead and get on in there, Rahab. And so Boaz is already a product of said grace. So of course he freely offers it. Because his own mother was an outsider, yet she was grafted in. The point of including this in the end reminds us 
that God's redemption started long before Naomi. God's redemption started long before any of our stories. What this passage shows us is that God has a track record. God's got a long history of redemption. A long one. God's been doing it. And he ain't never going to stop. There is no signs of slowing up. He's still steamrolling through the enemy. And he is on a mission. Since the fall of humanity, God has been working to get his family back. And what this book shows, it's just one pit stop on the way. But it's that even if we don't acknowledge him, even if we don't explicitly acknowledge God did blank, he is still at work. Even if we don't call out his name. That does not change the fact that God is constantly working to get his family back. He's had to redeem some wild characters. And it's not going to stop until he's got them all. That includes you. That includes me. That includes your neighbor. It includes your boss. It includes your teacher. It includes your mother, your brother, your whoever. God has been redeeming, and he will keep on redeeming until every single person has been given an opportunity to say yes. No matter how messed up your situation is, no matter where you find yourself in this wild world, God has a way to redeem you. And it's a part of a bigger story. That he's telling about the redemption of your whole community. And he will not stop until everyone has heard. Are you ready to accept God's redemption for your own story? Pastor, you don't understand. Maybe you're an addict. Maybe you're a thief. Maybe you're a convicted felon. Maybe you're this. Maybe you're that. It doesn't matter. It does not matter. You've been through some things. I hear you. I see you. More importantly, God sees you. And he has a way of redeeming whatever CJIS or whoever has on you. He has a way of redeeming those things. He has a way of redeeming everything that you've been through. And not just for you. But for everybody around you, are you ready to accept God's redemption for your own story? And if you already have, are you ready to be used? Are you ready to be used as a part of God's story where God is tirelessly working to redeem your workplace? Where God is tirelessly working to redeem your school, your neighborhood, your community, your purpose? Are you ready to be used as a part of God's story?